Schaefer, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And uh, Syrian ceasefire is uh, not quite holding, but uh, apparently there have been serious reductions in gunfire, bombing, and whatnot, so we'll see what happens with that. While America is arguing about... uh, whether Donald Trump's head is bigger than Kim Kardashian's behind, and whether or not there are people of color in the Oscars. I thought I heard a few names that fit that description. Funny how that term sort of floats around as a, yeah, as a description from time to time. Uh, the, the real world has got real problems. And, of course, America's real problem at this point is Super Tuesday. <laughs> We've got two teabaggers, John Kasich, one lost sheep, and Donald Trump. And I don't know if this... Super act- Tuesday might go Stupor Tuesday here. I don't know if the earpiece uh, <laughs> excuse that he made up today uh, is going to work for him, but let's just say that the earpiece got caught in the hairpiece. The David Duke controversy, I don't actually believe that Trump has anything to do with David Duke. No, but you'd think that he, you'd think he'd, he'd remember the, the, name. the name. Yeah, now. I mean, David Duke did run for president one year. I'm beginning to wonder if he got confused and uh, thought it, they might have been talking about John Wayne. Or uh, the them Duke boys. The Duke. Daisy Duke. <laughs> Daisy Duke, she's all right. Or maybe an heiress. Connected to the tobacco fortune and Duke University. Who knows? Who cares? But uh, after last uh, Thursday, no surprise about the endorsement, though. Debate. I mean, the, oh, the by fact Christie. That, no, oh. well, we'll get to that in a moment. But from Duke. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Duke's Duke's comment is, uh, "You betray your white heritage if you don't vote for Trump." Yeah, he attacked Rubio and uh, and Cruz's Cubans, um, which is uh, strange. I said. Cruz's problem Canadian. was a Canadian. <laughs> I'm getting confused about the borders. Uh, and I'm sure Canada, as we speak, is uh, discussing in their parliament about building a wall. <laughs> to keep Ted Cruz out. <laughs> to keep the whole crew out. Cruz and crew. Uh, they might be building a wall, and they'll get Donald Trump to pay for it. He's a real estate man, after all. Well, the former uh, president of Mexico has gone on record as saying, we're not building that effing wall. <laughs> we're not paying for it either. <laughs> yes, one of Donald Trump's many uh, strange promises that keep growing from week to week. I think, ironically, the biggest beneficiary of Thursday night's GOP debate that kind of resembled uh, student council in the seventh grade, I... I I swear to God, what we need to do in this GOP debate for some really good reality TV is to slip Cruz, Rubio, and Trump each a gun and turn turn it into the the good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) You know, at the end of the movie. Right, right, yeah. Who's Tuco with the unloaded gun? That's right. That'd be Rubio. (laughs) I think his gun is unloaded at this point. (laughs) He's, uh, He's beginning to run out of bullets, and he gets more pathetic, weak week to week and it was kind of amusing to watch Christy uh, the Jackie Gleason of the Republican Party <laughs> endorsing Donald Trump 
who just days before he'd called unqualified to be president. Well, of course, now that epithet he applies to Rubio. Then, um, of course, they're all unqualified to be president. But uh, but he did come up with the good one of Bubble Boy. That was yeah. that was that was pretty good. Well, I mean, this is the um, the most insult, you know, centered uh, presidential campaign certainly uh, in in memory. But uh, my first impression when uh, I hear that Christie has come out endorsing Trump is that, well, when you lay down with dogs, you wake up with fleas. That's right. This is a uh, career suicide move, I think, for well, Christie. Well, I, I think he knows his career in public office is over because of his various problems in the state of New Jersey with scandals. But at the same time, it's also a first gesture towards VP. Trump, after all, needs a needs a floor manager for some of those casinos that he runs. He's always bragging about how many people he hires. And, of course, his financial uh, dealings are going to come under increasing scrutiny for good reason. Uh, kind of interesting to see Mitt Romney coming out Coming out of one of his houses, I think he had seven of them, <laughs> and uh, noting that all presidential candidates since Tricky Dick have had to put their tax returns out there in the public. Trump's excuse? I'm being audited. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, it's 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 just well, there's time yet. It's uh, young and days. Yeah, it's. Beginning to look like tomorrow, however, is is going to be uh, really crucial for the uh, Republican Party, Bernie and Ted Cruz. Uh, and, of course, Marco Rubio, regardless of where he finishes, will give us yet again the generic victory speech. He he keeps uh, now on the on the out on the stump, which uh, ironically rhymes with Trump. Um, gives us the when I become president. And I keep wondering what planet he's on. Less uh, homework, more recess. I, I've never seen anybody uh, do more crowing for his poor finishes in American history. But Well, he may not be getting votes amongst actual voters, but uh, he has secured more endorsements from uh, fellow Republican uh, congressmen and senators or governors, uh, 63 to Ted Cruz's 24 endorsements. So despite these Which isn't a surprise. Right. Uh, these consistent third place or lesser showings, um, there's a desperation on behalf of the Republican Party itself to pull out all the stops and to just jump on board the Rubio toothpick. Well, and the thing is, is that Cruz is doing significantly better in Texas than Rubio is in Florida. And uh, by the way, Florida in two weeks is a winner-take-all situation. Mm. So Rubio's political career may be uh, in, in big trouble himself. I suspect that Cruz will do well enough tomorrow uh, in on Super Tuesday to stay in the race just simply because there are so many southern states uh, in play. I'll just mention... Most of them, and I'm including Oklahoma here as a southern state. Tennessee, Oklahoma, Georgia, Arkansas, Alabama, Texas, and Virginia. That's quite a bit. And uh, Texas has a very, very complicated uh, dispersal of delegates. Ben Carson, who's still in the race, said the key to the race is getting delegates. 
And I was like... Always a keen analysis of... Uh, <laughs> when did you figure this out? <laughs> Do you have any delegates? I think the answer to that question is no. Putting on your pants is the first step towards going outdoors. He remains in the race, curiously, but uh, he thinks things are going to turn his way quite soon. But I'm a little unclear how this is going to happen. As for Bernie, uh, he obviously took a thumping on South Carolina. I think he's going to do very well in Michigan. I was surprised at how uh, the margin that Hillary Clinton won and his problem by the way, with that, tomorrow is that Georgia and Texas, Arkansas and Alabama in particular, uh, could be very large margin victories for Hillary Clinton. However, on the bright side for Bernie, I think that he will win Vermont, and he probably will win the caucuses in Minnesota. (laughs) But I think the state to probably keep an eye on is Massachusetts. Uh, because uh, basically if Hillary uh, and Bernie kind of break even there and Hillary uh, beats him pretty soundly in the South, Bernie's deficit may be too great to overcome. But you are correct. I think that Bernie will do uh, better in some states that are coming up, like Michigan next week. And we're voting along, by the way, on that particular day with Hawaii Mississippi, and Idaho, where I'm sure Ted Cruz will get all of the mountain goat vote. And the militiamen wrapped in, uh, wrapping their guns in bacon. And by the way, there are a bunch of states that vote this weekend as well, including Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, and Kansas. So Ted Cruz, if he's going anywhere, is going to have to really get some delegates in in this this upcoming week because these are states that are beneficial to him very interesting chart in the Wednesday February 3rd edition of the New York Times showing uh the relative evangelical strength of the vote and uh, these states are in theory uh, beneficial to Ted Cruz now Ted Cruz is fairly roundly despised, as that uh, Financial Times article noted. And Ted Cruz is having problems with his uh, superdelegates. I thought it was interesting, by the way, to note that right before the Iowa caucuses, Bob Dole and the governor of Iowa went out of their way to criticize Ted Cruz. They, at the time, were pretty much suggesting to caucus voters that Donald Trump would be preferable to Ted Cruz. Now, they didn't actually endorse Trump, but they did attack Cruz. So it's fascinating to me to see how the so-called mainstream Republican Party is in the dilemma that they're in. They created these bogus arguments that Trump is exploiting. Mm -hmm. This has been going on now for six years, and you've seen it in the last couple of weeks with the outright obstructionism regarding a Supreme Court nomination by the President of the United States, which uh, he is permitted to do under the United States Constitution, the Guantanamo brouhaha, and uh, other assorted issues, including the budget. 
you could almost say that uh, this is, among other factors, of course, uh, Karl Rove's uh, previous electoral strategies, to paraphrase Bugs Bunny, uh, coming home to roost. I mean, this is the demographic that they chose to whip up and appeal to, the angry, fearful, and the ignorant. Uh, leave the good and the bad out of it. Uh, this is the ugly vote. This is the Yahoo vote. Yeah. Um, and it's these extensive. are the angry people. And there are, you know, there's a headline in this the Financial Times about uh, Trump rides high in angry Texas. He's actually polling quite well with evangelicals despite his fallen lifestyle because they like a strong man. Yeah. Who's going to be consistent. And of course, we've noted the similarities between Trump's rhetoric and his style and uh, Berlusconi and Mussolini of Italy. Uh, Trump, of course, has gotten a lot of free media. He's oh. spending way less than, than all the others. And he doesn't have to spend because yep. he, he gets uh, interviews galore. Celebrity treatment. Uh, celebrity treatment and the reality TV show that the media has somewhat created um, while their ratings have theoretically gone up. And Trump keeps asserting that He's a winner, and he's going to make America great again, uh, depending on when, what area you're talking about. I, I'm still confused by this. Uh, what is Donald Trump really talking about? I don't, I don't even know that he knows, but it's certainly true that the viral social media world has... Well, he's got six million Twitter followers and... Uh, help Trump. They... Somewhere here. Because got... it's an echo chamber. In other words, yes. there's a reinforcement factor that works with this angry mob. Right. And uh, as folks younger than us will know, this is what's called trolling on the Internet, where you just sort of pile on and, and add negative comments in the guise of, you know, uh, Twitter chump dot fool or whatever. Uh, here's from the front page of uh, Saturday's Times. Uh, Alexander Burns on cue, backers hound critics on Twitter. Trump uh, puts a critique of uh, Rubio or whoever out there. And uh, Trump's Twitter followers, who number about 6 million, pile on for days. They replied to the posts, Trump's posts, with demeaning, often sexually charged insults aimed at Ms. Jacobus, uh, a Republican political strategist uh, who's not on board with Trump. Uh, demeaning, sexually charged insults, uh, including, you know, alterations of her face and stuff. So this is hostility. This is an angry, ignorant crowd, and they're they're relishing in it. So this potential Trump Christie ticket, because I see Christie as just that self-serving. I mean, I want to get back in the spotlight. I'll I'll be vice president. It's uh, jerks of the world unite. Well, and the other thing that was interesting about it was that it sort of dominated, for reasons that I am perplexed by, the, the, the media on Friday, the day after the Republican debate, uh, in which there were, you know, it was interruptions and it was out of control and it was a free-for-all. And uh, Ben Carson's great moment was, can somebody please attack me? <laughs> <laughs> and you're kind of like, wow. Uh, this is what the, uh, you know, has, has, has become of our discourse. Real issues are not really being talked about. You know, it's interesting, for instance, even on the eve of the Nevada 
votes that we had a couple of weeks ago, we had no discussion that I can recall about water. Mm. Water, water. That's a big issue out there in Nevada. (laughs) (laughs) Don't die. Not too much. Not too much. It'll make you sick. Don't don't, don't, Don't die. Don't die on me, Blandy. Blandy. Let me give you. It's a good thing you have your friend here to to protect you. <laughs> yeah, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, Christy, uh, what can you say about him? He's a, he's a chump for Trump now. <laughs> um, and I don't know that that endorsement helps him, but it's certainly because it dominated the news cycle a little bit for a day. Uh, it took away from that. <laughs> Relishing performance by all three of the good, mm. the bad, and the ugly. I am not yet convinced that Trump is bears any resemblance to Blandy. <laughs> He's not the man Although with no the, name. The hair is uh, blondish. It's blondish, yes. Although you, we mentioned the you know Mussolini Berlusconi aspects of Trump's bearing and style. But there's also that weird kind of orangish tint to him that renders him vaguely Oompa Loompa looking as well. So Trumpolini yeah. is another uh, possible designation here for this strange fellow. Well, he might have too much copper in his diet. <laughs> I think that's what happens to people that have an overabundance of copper there. Well, they get an orange hue, kind of resembling Strom Thurmond when he... Uh, <laughs> that's right. Sort of... Uh, Told the American people that monkey hair comb Clarence over. Thomas is the most qualified member that's ever been appointed to the Supreme Court. Oh, and apparently Clarence Thomas uh, has has asked his first question in ten years. Oh, right. Noting, you know, the Scalia's gone. Someone had to say something. Well, he's got to pick up the slack, and of course, one of the interesting the first time in ten years. Can you imagine not asking a question? For 10 years, and your job is to ask questions. Right. You would kind of wonder about that. But uh, I thought it was very interesting, and I didn't bring this in, but I noticed in the business section uh, late last week that Dow Chemical, based on the fact that Scalia was no longer on the court, had decided to settle a lawsuit Mm -hmm. for $867 million dollars. Uh, rather than take their chances at the Supreme Court. So we're starting to see some interesting uh, fallout from the Mitch McConnell strategy of blatant obstructionism. And this may well continue. There are an incredible number of huge cases uh, that are not going to have the vote of Scalia at least in that so-called mm-hmm. conservative block of Alito, Thomas, and Scalia. So just remember, one of the reasons that Dow probably settled this lawsuit was that without the vote of Scalia, they couldn't have won, and the ruling by the lower court would have prevailed. <laughs> so uh, I think they uh, decided to cut their losses, settle out of court, and I'll have more on that next week because it was a very small item in the business section. Uh, but it uh, was clearly linked to the absence of the Scalia vote on the Supreme Court. Not just the absence of the Scalia vote, but the increasing likelihood that the next president to appoint will not be a Republican. Because as this same article on the front page of today's Financial Times notes, uh, 
This is Dmitry Sevastopolo writing, some prominent Republicans have said privately that they might consider voting for Mrs. Clinton if Mr. Trump ends up as their party nominee. You'll see a lot of Republicans do that. Christine Whitman, the former New Jersey governor who previously compared Mr. Trump to Hitler, told the New Jersey Star-Ledger, quote, we don't want to, but I know I won't vote for Trump. So there's going to be stay-homes and there's going to be whatever. I got to vote for a sane, you know, managerial type, and that's going to be Hillary. Well, and and she probably has benefited a little bit uh, in the Democratic uh, primary from the chaos that's uh, obviously engulfed the Republican Party. Obviously, she's going to do well tomorrow. Uh, The question is, can Bernie keep these margins Mm. within reason? But he can't lose too many states by the margin that he lost South Carolina by. That was just uh, somewhat surprising. But uh, remember in South Carolina, about 55, uh, and some people say that as many as 60% of the actual voters were African-American. James Clyburn did endorse Hillary Clinton. He's not what I would call a machine politician, but he does have power he is the third-ranking Democrat in the House of Representative, House of Representatives, and I think there's some some pretty palpable evidence that Hillary did a very good job uh, on the ground. She's been working the African American churches fairly effectively, and of course, uh, you never know where Bill is. Bill is uh, another very good surrogate. Uh, I don't mean to get on Bernie's case. I think his message is great. I'm. Just finished, by the way, the Thomas Piketty book, Capital in the 21st Century. Some economic historians are calling this the most important book on economics in 50 years. It is a direct uh, analysis of rising inequality in the capitalist system globally. And, of course, the chapters and the data focusing on America show unequivocally that inequality rose quite a bit under Ronald Reagan and George W. Bush because of the minimum wage. They vetoed minimum wage increases. The trickle-down theory of the tax cuts. And once Bill Clinton and Barack Obama increased the minimum wage, and of course this is a state-by-state issue now, Mm -hmm. minimum wage is being increased in various states for all kinds of reasons, we're seeing this passed by referendum in even conservative states. Only an idiot would believe that you can make a living in America making seven twenty-five an hour. But apparently there are Republicans that think this increases unemployment. It does not. Well, the incredible short-sightedness behind the parsimoniousness that you know, is against a increase in the minimum wage because lower income wage earners spend a greater percentage of their finances. Yeah. So this is money that gets shoveled back into the economy. It's good for the economy as a whole when minimum wage workers receive uh, an increase in their wages. They're going to spend that money. The super quantity of... Uh, Money that stays floating up and circulating at the tops with the uh, the corporate uh, shareholders and the CEOs and their uh, ridiculously high uh, annual earnings, uh, that's all money that gets hedged away and pocketed into banks and investments that just sits. That's not good for the economy. And parked overseas in tax havens, 
One of the other interesting things about the Piketty book is the, of course, uh, palpable um, demonstration of the incredible increase in CEO salaries over the past 20 to 30 years. This is part of the rigged capitalist system that Bernie talks about so effectively in his stump speech. And uh, it has resonated. That's why Bernie still is in the race. And I think he'll stay in the race. I think where Bernie got into some trouble, and I think Hillary had a different problem earlier, she began talking about gun control after uh, San Bernardino, Mm -hmm. which was before the New Hampshire and Iowa events. And that simply was not going to help her get votes in rural states. So while she may have been correct about the gun control debate in theory, sometimes it's politically correct. The timing was, yeah. To hold your fire... Barack Obama is carrying the water on the gun control debate. That would be my advice to That's her. That's a good point. But I think that Bernie made a big mistake visiting Al Sharpton shortly after his New Hampshire victory. And what on earth is he doing running around the country with a guy named Rapper Mike? <laughs> um, who's kind of rewriting the criminal justice, uh, the history of criminal justice uh, over the past uh, 50 years. Richard Nixon was the one that had the law and order campaign, the war on crime. Nelson Rockefeller was the one that built the prisons in New York and introduced mandatory sentencing and harsh sentencing. This was adopted, by the way, by states like California under Republican governors way before Bill Clinton was ever around. And, of course, Ronald Reagan is the one with the war on drugs. The prison industrial complex preceded Bill Clinton by several decades. Mm -hmm. Bill Clinton was around in the 90s. Yes, the crime bill may have been flawed and certainly was a terrible thing, but what on earth does Hillary Clinton have to do with the crime bill? She was the first lady. So these kind of bogus, vicarious arguments that are being made, I think are sometimes not helpful when they're somewhat inaccurate and historically disingenuous and somewhat false from top to bottom. Our criminal justice system certainly needs repair, but there are people in prison who belong there. The question is, what about all these nonviolent people that are in prison who don't belong there? Right. And we're seeing, believe it or not, that's actually one public policy uh, thing that, that there is some agreement in Congress on, and they have been writing and backing legislation to reduce the prison population in the United States. We don't want to bore you with too many statistics, but this is just shocking stuff. State of California incarcerates more people than like Western Europe combined. That's just California. And some of these mandatory sentencing laws and three strikes and you're out. nonsense, yeah. Uh, this sort of thing has, by the way, been defended by Ted Cruz when he was the Solicitor General of the state of Texas. Deep in the heart of Texas. Didn't the movie uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly uh, take place? uh, In Texas, yeah. Near the uh, Texas-Mexican border. But uh, I don't know. I think I hear those brickmakers working away, anticipating a Trump victory. (laughs) They're going to have a lot of work. 
Oh, start making the bricks. I've only got 1,200 miles to go. <laughs> Where's the water? Blondie. Trump, oh. Trump can work the brick, the brick line, the production line with his whip. Well, actually, speaking Might of uh, some fresh air, whips and bricks and fresh air, uh, we got about five minutes left in the program. Uh, don't want to talk much about the Oscars, but I do want to quickly mention that you probably have about five or six more days to see The Revenant on the on the big screen. I strongly recommend that film. Uh, very poetic, powerful, cinematic experience. Great soundtrack, which was, I think, overlooked by the uh, Oscar-nominating committee. Though it did win for Won cinematography. Se cinematography, yeah. director, best actor, uh, and uh, very strong film. Uh, much better, I think, uh, on a big screen experience because of the atmospheric nature of the setting. But uh, I think DiCaprio's comments upon receiving his award... Uh, in an Oscars filled with all sort of politically charged aspects and elements, um, his comments about global warming and how to finish, a lot of the film was shot in Alberta, in the middle of nowhere, but to finish certain scenes to find the snow in quantity necessary, they had to go down to the southernmost tip of the world to find enough snow. Uh, so he urged people, to, you know, Joe Biden was in the audience smiling in the back as the cameras cut to him in the midst of uh, DiCaprio's speech for a quick second. Uh, this is a serious issue that deeply uh, concerns the future of children who are not yet born. And so that's why young people really care about this, and none of the Republicans are talking about it as an issue. Well, and it's interesting, even in the midst of the climate talk debates that I think will be part of Barack Obama's legacy, they, they had some incredible photographs of some of the largest glaciers in China that are in incredible retreat that are actually going to be a threat to Asia's drinking water. So when we joke around about the blondie, <laughs> let me get some water. Not, not too much. Uh, we're not kidding. There are serious global problems. Anyway, we are out of time down here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. I'd like to thank Andrew for engineering this evening. Heard some Reverend Horton Heat earlier. If you get a chance to see this man, do it. It's, it's worth the price of admission. No more on Super Tuesday next week and also Iranian elections with some interesting results. We'll talk about that next week probably as well. Did Trump run in the elections? <laughs> I'm a winner. I'm a winner. He's the supreme leader. <laughs> he would be perfect. <laughs> I had told him. My savings are gone. Okay. Think. Where'd you have them last? I was home. Then I spent them on that vacation in this tiny suit of armor. Now they're gone. Weird. Weird? Not really. Not saving now means no money later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas on ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Oh, I broke his little gauntlet. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, the Alabama Society of CPAs, and the Ad Council. There are lots of ways you and your family can avoid the flu. You can all fly to a distant island and stay the entire flu season. You can barricade everyone inside the house until late spring. Or you and your family can simply get vaccinated against flu. 
The flu can be serious for everyone, even really healthy people. It can lead to pneumonia, ear and sinus infections, bronchitis. At times, it can even lead to death. Young kids are especially at risk. In the U.S., about 20,000 kids younger than five are hospitalized each year from flu complications like pneumonia. Sadly, each year, some children will die from flu. Older people are at high risk, too. So is anyone with a health condition like asthma, diabetes, or heart disease. That's why everyone six months and older should get a flu vaccine each year. 